seeing Ruth bound up here reminded me that she's much healthier than I am, and she's got a few years on me, not too many though, but uh, thank you Ruth and worship team for setting the stage for what God is going to do, and I'm glad you're here today. I'm surprised you're here today, and if you didn't know, this is always our lowest attendance Sunday of the year. And the next Sunday is usually the second lowest attended Sunday. Now, we've just come through Christmas, and it's a weird and different Christmas. And I know it was weird. Somebody told me this morning that uh, one of the greatest things that affected them is there's so much food around their house because nobody came to eat it. And uh, now they have to eat it. Well, I guess we don't have to eat it. But I have the same problem. I always make cabbage rolls. And uh, I have lots of cabbage rolls left over, although Shailen, my daughter, loves them and she keeps coming up and stealing them. That's a good thing. But Christmas can be like that. I can remember uh, a few years ago, uh, my mom passed away about three years ago, and that first Christmas, I, I was obsessed with the memory of my mom. And I wanted to do everything like mom did. And I want to tell you that it wasn't necessarily a healthy thing, in fact, I think I drove my family crazy because I wanted to remember mom. I wanted to do this like mom or that like mom. My mom loved Christmas. And guess what? Things didn't go quite the way that it should have. And I was a wreck. I was letting my past infect me. And honestly, Christmas is a great amplifier. If life is good and sweet, it amplifies that. And you feel incredible. You feel great. But if you're going through a Christmas where finances are tight or you're going through Christmas, you've just lost a loved one, you're going through Christmas and you can't have your family with you because of COVID, Christmas is an amplifier. And I wanted to kind of catch on the heels of that amplification in your heart right now. And if you're watching online, I just want to address some stuff today. And my message this morning is literally called letting go. It's the end of the year, and I think a lot of us, and it's funny because some people even get mad at this, but we want to let go of 2020, I think. And there's a bunch of other stuff we need to let go, and unfortunately some of the stuff we want to let go is going to carry over like a bad hangover into 2021. But we need to let go of things. I remember one particular Christmas a number of years ago, and I'm going to pray in a moment. My wife and I had no money, um, and lots of reasons why that was. Uh, we pastored really little churches, and they couldn't afford to pay us lots. Uh, my wife wasn't able to work. And we did scrape enough money together to go to Abbotsford to my wife's mom and dad. And in my heart, I thought, okay, that, I, I'm going to be happy about that because we get to be there. And I told my children there's not going to be any presents this year. And I remember getting to December 24th, my past started to infect me. Because in my past, presents were everything, family was everything. And I went out on the 24th, I remember it was long enough ago, and uh, it was Wolco, I think. And I went into Wolco, and I used my credit card. Don't ever do that for Christmas presents. And I bought my kids presents. I went to, and the aisles were empty. And I found whatever I could and I wrapped them up and put them under the tree. You see, my past was infecting my present. Let's bow. Heavenly Father, as we look at this whole topic of letting go, 
It doesn't mean forgetting. I will never forget my mom. I will never forget those years that were so lean I couldn't buy my kids presents. But God, I need to let go emotionally of that stuff. I need to rejoice in my past. I need to grow from my past. And I cannot let my past contain me or hold me back or cause me to become useless. God, help us this great amplifying time to let go of things that we need to let go. Let your word, your scriptures that we read this morning just powerfully penetrate our beings. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Good mental health, and let's be honest, good mental health means putting even good things in their proper place. Because when things were going really well in our past, we have this habit, by the way, and we're going to read a story about that in a moment, even when things weren't so great, we have a good way or a habit of looking in the past and making it what it wasn't. Oh, do you remember back? When we had dial telephones, where we had rotary dial telephones, it was awful. My finger used to get sore. But we have this way of looking at, you know, or mocking people that don't know how to use that. What is with us in all of this? We need to look into our past, and we actually need to let go of some of the good things. Let me explain. Turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 11. Now to give you a little bit of background. This is about Israel and they're wandering in the wilderness. And at this point, um, they have miraculously been provided with manna. And in fact, if you keep reading 11, it describes past where we're going to read. It describes what manna was like. And apparently when you first ate it, it was like heaven. It was tasty, it was delicious. Uh, manna had one thing though, it couldn't be kept overnight. If you kept it overnight, it literally spoiled. There was nothing they could do. Every morning they had to wait for manna from heaven to fall upon the earth and they would collect it up and make it into their daily meals. So this is the background story. They've left Egypt, they were in slavery. They had wonderful plagues, and I say that tongue in cheek, that made it to the point where Pharaoh let them go, although even after he let them go, he changed his mind and tried to chase after them. And so Israel has just seen incredible miracles. They now have their freedom, and they're about to be a nation. And God is preparing them, and this is important to pay attention to in your life, that the journey that you're on is often preparing you for the journey you're going to have. And in Israel's case, they needed to be the nation that gave birth to the Savior. And they needed to be ready for that. And the journey, by the way, if you've ever looked at a map of Israel wandering in the wilderness, the word wandering, they, they did circles, they went 40 years, and there's reasons for that. But they wandered in the wilderness because when they got to the edge of the wilderness, they got to the edge of the promised land, they sent the spies in, and the spies came back, and I love the old kid song, uh, ten basically are saying, it's awful, it's horrible, and two are saying, no, no, it's great. And so they wandered in the wilderness a little while. Why did they keep doing that? Because they weren't ready. If you're struggling in the wilderness, let me tell you, like Israel, God is preparing you for what he wants you to do. And it doesn't matter what your age is. Even at 59, God is still preparing me 
for what he wants me to do. Numbers chapter 11. Let's read just the first six verses. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. Now, they had become so upset that they were literally saying it out loud so God could hear them. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Now think about it as you're a parent. You give your kids this delicious manna every morning. You give them this pillar of fire at night to keep them company, this cloud by day to lead them. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. We just heard a wonderful testimony of somebody who was struggling with thankfulness. They were getting irritated in the journey and God gave them a heart of thankfulness. Verse two, when the people cried out to Moses... He prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called Tibera because fire from the Lord had burned among them. Quail, now why did that jump already? Hmm. Quail from the Lord. The rabble with them began to crave other food. Again in the Israelites, I feel like I've missed a whole passage here. What's going on? Anyway, the rabble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Now, if you keep reading in the text, Moses goes to the Lord and he said, why in the world did you bring me to lead these people? I didn't give birth to them, he says. This is really annoying. What in the world am I supposed to do? And by the way, one of my <coughs> favorite verses in the Bible comes up in the following text and God says, I'm gonna give them some quail and if you know, it's a bird and these birds would fly in every day and they would drop from the sky right at the feet of the Israelites. And the text that I love is, you're gonna get so much meat, it's gonna come out of your nostrils. I mean, it just makes me laugh. I mean, God has a sense of humor. Okay, you want that? You're gonna get it. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but there's sometimes I beg the Lord and I said, oh man, I used to, or, or could you, or this is what I need so desperately. And sometimes God's given me exactly what I want, and it's come gushing out of my nose. It, it became a, a thorn in my flesh, and I began to realize, why did I pray so hard for that? This is awful. Their journey, again, I want to point this out, their journey was important so they could become the great nation that God wanted them to be. They were the people of God, and they needed to become independent and ready to be a real nation. The journey was important to their future. And honestly, friends, we need to sometimes quit living in the past in what used to be. I mean, they were in slavery, but Egypt was a prosperous nation and they got leeks and onions and all these great things and they got meat for free and they just looked back and they, they just loved it. Now, honestly, when I look back in my past, I have to say that even at my age, I am infected or affected by what has happened to me. 
And some of that stuff in the past is good. And you probably know this, uh, this truth. Did you know no incredible new businesses are started by people over 50? I mean, there's exceptions to rule, Colonel Sanders, and there's a few others. But no new businesses are started by people. Now that I'm 59, I get it. Why don't I go out and start an incredible business? It's because I know what can go wrong. I've experienced it all. And it takes those foolish, crazy young people to start up a business, not knowing the risk and how things could go bad. And, I mean, who could have predicted COVID-19? And those crazy young guys, I wonder there'll be a lot less people starting up businesses in the future. My past is no different. You've heard my story. I've joked about how I had 12 girls break up with me before I met my wife. Do you think that affected me at all? Here, let me tell you how it affected me. If you were to ask my wife, do you remember what Anthony was like when you were dating him? Do you know one thing that was really big in me? I was so jealous. I was so insecure. And you know what changed all that for my life and for me? How I got rid of the past. I had to have it called out. I had to be told, you are being way too jealous. And it wasn't Carolyn, by the way. But I had to be called out on that. And secondly, and I talked about this a little bit last Sunday, I needed to experience true love. And you're going, oh, Carolyn, oh, she's pretty great. And she was part of that. But I experienced the love of Jesus over and over again in that time dating my wife. And when I experienced true love, then the 1 Corinthians 13 love started to well up in me. You know, is not jealous, keeps no record of wrongs, all that kind of stuff. And as my wife loved me unconditionally and never gave me ever an inch of worry about whether she loved me, then suddenly my, my past started to fade away because I got to experience the presence of God. But until that point, I drove my wife crazy or my girlfriend at that time. Knowing how our past affects us is an important step. And if you were to go for counseling, the first thing they do is they try to figure out what in the world is affecting you. Like what in your past is making you where you're at today? What is just bugging you so much that you can't even function? But one of the weaknesses, I believe, of modern day counseling is they will point out it's your parents' fault. They treated you awfully, or that person, or that experience, or, or PTSD. I mean, it's important to point out why we're we, the way we are, but then as a follower of Christ, we need to do something about it. And honestly, what we need to do is we need to go to Jesus, to the foot of the cross, and we need to get on our knees and tears, and we need to say, this is really affecting me. And I need your healing power. I need your healing presence. And if you can't get it there, get some good Christian counseling where they can pray through stuff with you. And you can start to find some healing. But honestly, we've got to recognize what's infecting us or affecting us, infecting, affecting, whatever it is. And we need to own it. We need to go to the cross. And we need to ask for healing. And even if it's stuff that's so good in our past and we could never get that back, we need to let it go. Not forget, but we need to just let it go. And I, over the last couple of Christmases, have had to let go of my mom. I'm not forgetting. In fact, 
I, I, my wife even made me this nice little book of memories of my mom and photos, and I can look through it with tears and, and be so grateful for what she is. But my wife, by the way, she's the kind of person that will always try to create new traditions and new things we're doing. And I'm that guy that's like, no, 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 we, 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 it's 7 o'clock, we got to do this. Or, and, and it's weird, because I'm not really like that as a whole. But at Christmas, there's just something from my past just wells up. I, I hang on to it. I won't let it go. But not only do we need to move past some of those good things and those great memories and those great experiences, and we need to let the new journey in life affect us in new ways, sometimes we need to let go of the bad too. In Philippians chapter three, we come across this text and it's, it's really cool, letting go of the bad. And it's the Apostle Paul talking. And by the way, if you had just read Philippians chapter two, Philippians two, Paul really deals with our arrogance and he tells us that we need to be humble people. We need to have the humility of Christ. And then we get to chapter three, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this, now he's talking about running the race, or have already arrived at my goal. I'm just gonna break for a moment. Do you think you've arrived? Do you think you're smarter than everybody else? Do you think your experiences have made you superior? Do you think your intelligence and intellect and power of reason make you just a cut above everybody? Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took Jesus took hold of me. I press on and I take hold. What did Jesus take hold of for me? I mean, Jesus took, care, took hold of my salvation. He took care of my soul. He's renewing me. He's restoring me. He's taken my heart of stone and replaced it with the heart of flesh. We are new creation in Christ. The old man, Romans 12, uh, 7, really is, is always haunting us. The old patterns, the old ways, our past, our likes, our goods, our hurts, our pains, they're always haunting us. But praise be to God, Jesus has done and paid it all for us. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I think Paul was close to my age at writing this. But one thing I do, listen to this really carefully, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. When we read this text, you can imagine how hard it must have been for Paul. Paul was a very prestigious leader within the Jewish community. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was in the religious popular group. Everybody listened to him. And he says in his own description, I was the best at following the law of anybody. And he gave all that up for Jesus. So forgetting what is behind, I mean, he must have been tempted with the leeks and garlic like nobody's business. He must have been tempted because he was thrown in prison, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked. Life wasn't that great for him. He must have really been tempted to always think, oh man, I should just go back to where I was. You can probably imagine how hard it was to love Carolyn 
with a pure love when I struggled with all this baggage from the past. I honestly had to take every thought captive when it point, was pointed out to me. I had to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I had to go down my knees and every time something would well up, some hurt, some pain, I had to say, oh Jesus, heal my soul. I had to learn what real love was by experiencing God's love. And I think it's paid off for Carolyn. I don't think I'm the same person that I was. The text that we just read is clear that we need to forcefully take hold of the future. We need to go and say, God, what do you have for me? And I wanna tell you, it doesn't matter what age you are, but when God calls you to do something, do it. Please be obedient. And do it in humility. I mean, I'm not telling you to go sell everything and give it to the poor. I mean, if God's telling you to do that, please listen and test those spirits, but we must be all in with our walk with Jesus. We can't get stuck in the past in, in both the bad things that happened in our family or the good things that we've experienced. We need to be all in with Jesus. In Luke chapter nine, verse 57, Jesus begins to teach this really important principles. As they were walking along a road, a man said to him, to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Now Jesus, knowing the guy's heart, says, Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, do you really realize what you're saying? He said to another man, follow me, but he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, and this seems like such a harsh statement, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Well, that's a little insensitive. But you see, there's a lot of us that we just hang on so tightly to the past that we never get towards where God has called us to. We never enter into the promised land. We never accomplish putting back, pushing back the gates of hell. We never enter into all the fullness that Jesus Christ has for us, all the healing and the purity and the, the goodness. Oh, the verse has been in my head this last week so much. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that some will be saved. I mean, some of us are so caught up in the past. Our behavior is so much like it shouldn't be. Still another in verse 61 said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, this verse, listen to it carefully. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Now, I used to hang out with farmers a little bit, and uh, most of my farmers, in Looseland especially, the, this was the thing. Whenever they would drive by a field of a neighbor, you know the one thing that they, and this goes back to the horse and plow days, you know the one thing that they would look for? They would look to see that their lines were straight. Do you know what stops you from making your lines straight? Looking back. You know what keeps your lines straight? Looking ahead finding a point on the horizon and just keep going straight towards it. But so many of us, we look back and we start going, well, gee, you know, I used to play such a nice, mean piano. Man, 
this is just so bad, I just want to cry. Or, or we look back and we go, oh, do you remember that time when I was in charge of the youth group and that was just so incredible? I'm just going to sit here and be sad for a while. Or we look back and we go, oh, do you remember that Christmas of 1979? We had so many gifts for our kids. We went to church and it was so beautiful. Revelation 13, 15, listen to how it puts it. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. Remember, we need to be all in. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I'm a kind of person, I really like really, really cold water, and I like really, really hot coffee. And I don't know if you've been like me at all, but if you've got the in-between, you know, I've left my coffee too long because I got a phone call, and I, I mean, I don't spit it out in my office. That's right, I don't. The janitor never sees spewed out stuff, but I want to. Or you're waiting for it, you're so thirsty, and you know, you've had that glass of water sitting beside you for a long, and you finally get time to drink it, and it's lukewarm. There's so many of us, we, we, we have so much baggage from the past. And I'm not saying that you can't look at it and go, yeah, this is who I am. I mean, PTSD is real, post-traumatic stress disorder. And we used to always think, oh, that's a military guy, Second World War, First World War. No, there's a lot of people that have been in really abusive relationships or they've had a really abusive boss or they've been in a work environment that's just not great or they've, they've literally, I mean, a lot of policemen and firemen, they have PTSD just from rescuing people. So we need to look in our past and go, okay, especially if you come from anybody from Europe. Your family came from Europe in the last 50 to 70 years. You probably have some family stuff about how evil the government was, whether you were under the Nazis, whether you were uh, in Russia being persecuted by the Bolsheviks and whoever else came after them. Perhaps your family went through the first or second. I mean, it's going to leave a scar. You're going to have grown up with the stories. And it's going to affect you, and that's okay. We need to figure out what's affecting us. And this is why I love the scriptures so much, because as you read the scriptures, it reveals stuff to you. I mean, maybe your arrogance that you've been putting on for years is all a cover-up. It's a protection for that insecurity on the inside because you had 12 girls break up with you. But I mean, that ugliness, it, it can just infect us. And it's okay to go back and figure out why am I who I am? But I want to tell you that like the Apostle Paul, we can't leave it there. We got to press on towards the goal. We got to fix our eyes on the cross. We got to say, we got to be all in. I mean, we can't linger in those spots forever. I have been so proud watching some of our staff who've gone through deep waters over the last 13 years here in this church, and I have seen how they, they are working through, they've, they've admitted, they've, they've, they've kind of said, yeah, okay, I'm, I've been through some tough things, some tough journeys, whether they've lost a mom, a dad, a loved one, whatever it is, but I can see they, they are fixing their eyes on Jesus. And their passion. I mean, Ruth right now, just her prayer. I mean, she's weeping for the lost. She's fixing her eyes on Jesus. And she's been through some tough stuff. 
I mean, her mom and dad are gone. Her, I mean, it's tough. But she's fixing her eyes on Jesus. She's admitting, yeah, I've got this stuff, but I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. In this very same text in the book of Revelation, we can read a few verses later in verse 20, Revelation 3.20, and it says, and this is Jesus, and this is, this is a salvation verse. We always like to say, you know, this is how you lead people to Christ, but it's actually not really in context that way. Here I am, Jesus said. I stand at the door and knock. I mean, it's a good salvation verse, but it's a verse for you and me for today. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Do, do you sense the, the, the calling, the, the uh, calling you by name, the, trying to love you? To, Jesus wants to sit down with you. Uh, he wants you to hear his voice. He, he desperately wants intimacy with you. He, he wants to point out the stuff that's infecting or affecting you. And, and he wants to bring healing to your soul. He wants you to be more than who, he wants you to keep being who you are. He loves you for who you are. Oh, just a little tidbit, difference between some of my previous girls that I dated and my wife. And my wife, if she's watching online, I, I guess I'll be in the doghouse because she doesn't like me talking about her. But I'll tell you one thing that my wife diff did different than every other girl I dated. She accepted me for who I was. And she doesn't leave me there. She tries so hard to help me become a, but she doesn't do it judgmentally. Uh, she's always just trying to make me the best me that I could be. And that's Jesus with you guys. Jesus accepts you with all your baggage and all your good and all your bad and all the stuff in the past, but he wants you to let go of it emotionally and he wants you to look to the future. He wants you to look to Jesus. He wants you to be all in and he wants you to say or to be, I want to follow you. What is it you want me to do? And Jesus is going to, oh, you know, let's, let's get into the scriptures here. You know, you, you've, you've got this baggage from your family or you've got this baggage from whatever you've gone through and I want you to fix your, I want you to let go of that stuff. 2020, let's let go of it. And, and let's fix our eyes on Jesus. And, and I love, I, I don't think the testimony this morning was purposely, he had no idea I was gonna preach on what I was gonna preach on. But the testimony of realizing like this stuff's bugging me, it's, it's tearing me up. I need to fix my, and so he starts doing this Thanksgiving thing to fix his eyes on Jesus. I mean, the real clue that you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus is, what are you feeling on the, are you full of anxiety and upset and anger and, and you're, you're frustrated with everybody and you're yelling at people and you're, you're reading into everything everybody says because of your past? Those are really good symptoms that you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. When I came to Grand Prairie, I've told you guys a lot of this story, but part of the story that's really interesting is I was in Outlook, Saskatchewan, and I was loving my ministry there. In fact, I'd been there six and a half years, and I'd kind of gone through a lot of the dark waters and tough things, and 
by the way, that church had had a history of every four years, pastors would resign, but it wasn't the typical reason because people think pastors should just go every four years. Every one of the pastors from the, I, I think the church started in 1920s, every pastor from the start of that church up until my point, when they hit about four years, they would end up with a sharp conflict with the elders board. And I hit that too, and I, I began to look at the history of the church, you know, and I started to try to figure out, and I worked through all that with the elders. I didn't resign, we kept on. So life was actually pretty good for me. There was lots of leeks and onions. I was in a house that I loved living in. I knew everybody in the community. I was well-liked and well-respected by everybody. And then it was just this kind of weird experience where I just had one really bad elders meeting and the next morning I wrote my resume up and, and uh, my youth pastor was good friends with Dave Brown who was in this church and Dave Brown repeatedly had said, you should tell him to send his resume here. Well, that Thursday morning, I, in, in a weak moment, I sent my resume to Grand Prairie Alliance. Never sent it anywhere else. I was loving it there. And uh, this was in November, and about February, my phone rings, and it's Gary Wilkinson from this church. He was on the search committee. And he said to me, there's one line I liked in your resume, and I don't even remember what the line was, but it had something to do with about hearing God's voice or something. And he said, I, I want to talk. And, and long story short, what got me to the point of, honestly, what I normally, what I probably would have done had this other thing not happened to me, I would have said, no, thank you, I'm content where I'm at. Because I sometimes do get church as a call and I just said, no, I'm not interested, I'm where I'm supposed to be. But my wife and I, in about January, started feeling that maybe God wanted us to go to the mission field and there was a Christian school in Quito, Ecuador and they needed a teacher and a pastor. And I thought, well, I would really love to do that. I'd love to be with high school kids and helping them out and help missionaries and their kids. That'd be So we went through the whole process. Uh, we filled out the resume. We filled out the references. We did a few little interviews. And all we needed was one final interview. And suddenly, the communication went silent for months. And I, I didn't even know what to do about it. I thought, okay, well, I guess the Lord is saying that's not for us. But in the process of going through all that, I started wrestling through, man, God, do you realize if I go to the mission field, I'm gonna have to sell my house, I'm gonna have to store all my stuff. Two of my kids are off at Bible college. Two of my kids are in high school. This is the worst possible time. And God said, Anthony, lay it at my feet. Put your face towards me. Quit looking back. Quit hanging on to what you have. And so I'd gone through that whole process. I said, okay, God, I'll do whatever you want. I don't care what age I am, you'll take care of me, I'm not gonna worry about it. And then it goes silent, and then Grand Prairie calls me. And because of what I'd already just given up and I'd refixed my eyes on Jesus, I thought, okay, I need to test this house. And it wasn't, by the way, it was the shortest phone call from Gary Wilkinson to when we got hired. It was like three or four weeks. It was the weirdest thing. It was weird for this church, it was weird for me. But it just felt so right. Oh, by the way, after the church hired me, I got a phone call from Keto saying, okay, we want the interview now. And I knew God, this has happened to me before, by the way. But you see, God has got you on a journey. 
And everything you're going through is to continue to prepare you for following him and doing what he wants you to do. And it might even be the, the craziest thing. You might be unemployed recently. You might have just lost a loved one. You, I mean, God uses everything for the good. He's in the business of resurrection if you haven't figured it out. He's in the business of reconciliation. He's in the business of, of taking broken, horrible people like me and using them for the purposes of his kingdom. And I'm gonna ask you, are you all in? It's time in December 27th of 2020 to let go and to move towards God. God wants to expand his kingdom and honestly, we are his instruments of righteousness. I'm not saying to be foolish or to sell everything, I'm saying listen to God. And if you don't know him here watching online, you saw us on Christmas Eve, you love what you saw, I'm just telling you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, just receive his gift of salvation today. Just bow your heads and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I've got a past, and I wanna fix my eyes on you. And if you know him this morning, if you've been walking your journey, Start paying attention to what he has to say. Did you see me limp up to the stage this morning? I, I woke up Christmas morning with a really sore hip. I have no idea. I, I've started to have lots of arthritis. I thought it was just that. I mean, it was so sore, I couldn't even sleep on Christmas day night. It just hurt. I had a heating pad on it. I took Advil. My doctor, don't listen to that because I'm not supposed to take Advil, but it was hurting so bad, and Advil really seems to help my arthritis. So, so the pain has lessened up. So I'm in my devotions this morning, and I'm trying, to, and the first thing I said is, okay, God, is there something I need to hear? And my hip started to hurt a little bit more, and I'm going, are you trying to get it told to me? And by the way, I'm so excited to go home, and I want to tell you, because I fixed my eyes on Jesus, I'm so excited to go home because I ran out of time, but God told me to go read the story of Jacob and his hip. And I don't even know what God's gonna speak to me out of that. But I've got to the point in my life where every time that, and I'm not saying I'm going to Ecuador or quitting this church, that's not what I'm saying. But I get so excited when God, you know, maybe he's got something from my past he wants me to deal with. And, and you guys know my story. It's, it's just getting more and more exciting all the time. As God brings up my past, claustrophobia, done, dealt with. Uh, and whatever, uh, you, being insecure and jealous, done, gone, over with. Uh, I grew up in Fort St. John. You know, we, we just tend to blurt everything out. I'm working on that. You should have seen what I used to be like. I've gotten so much better now. I've gotten some, God is dealing with my past and he wants you to fix your eyes on him. And he wants you to recognize what's going on in the past, but he wants to bring healing to your soul. So put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Learn to hear his voice and recognize his leading. And if you're not a Christian, please respond to his calling. This morning as I was reading 1 John, I heard it really clear and loud that we have power in Jesus and he's in us and he's working in us. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, here we are ending this horrible year. 
And I've, like, like some, I've tried to be so thankful because I know that without COVID, all the churches that have gone online now, and I was able to, I, I look at YouTube, and it's partially because of the things I look at, but I see church, 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 church. Everything I look at is church this, this church is doing that, this Christmas Eve. I look on Facebook, and it's churches online, all over the place. And I'm just so haunted by the words three years ago at our district conference where a, a guy shared how uh, 90 or 80% of the internet's pornography. All the searches. And the church was less than 1%. And I think that's changed now, God. And, and we're on this journey as a church. Uh, we're wandering in the wilderness and you're preparing us for heaven. You're preparing us for what we need to do here on this earth. And you have made us ready to be engaging people online, and I want to praise you and thank you for that. But oh God, this year has been tough. And we want to put it behind us. And we want to fix our eyes on Jesus because there's so many alligators snapping at our feet right now, so many voices trying to get our attention, so many conspiracy theories that are just screaming for, oh and God, I read them and I look at them and I go, oh my goodness, what if this is true? But I fix my eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of my faith. And God, if there's anybody here this morning that needs to get to the altar, because their Christmas was miserable because their past just came right front and center, and they need to get on their knees before you and say, oh Jesus, I bring this to you. I bring the loss of my mom to you. I bring the loss of what used to be to you. I bring my, <laughs> my good life that I used to have, and I bring it to you. And I've lost my job and I've been so distracted and upset and I want to fix my eyes on you. God, if there's somebody that needs to get to the altar, we'd love to lay hands on them so that they could experience your presence, so they could be all in. And so, Father, thank you. And if anybody's listening or here this morning and doesn't know you yet, Jesus, it's such a simple thing to say, I am in need of a Savior. And I, I, I know you died on the cross for me. You took the punishment of my sins. You reconciled me to God, and, and I receive that. I want to be reconciled to God. I want to be friends with God. I want my sin removed, <laughs> and I receive the gift of the Savior. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. <coughs> Please stand with me. As I prayed, if you need to come to the altar and to be prayed for, uh, you know, Philippians 2, be humble and just come down and do it. If you feel that tug in your heart, please don't let it go. I think you've lived with enough of the misery. You just need his presence. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus. This has been a time, this, this great multiplier of Christmas has maybe revealed to you COVID-19 is a multiplier of things. And it's probably revealed some ugliness in you you don't like. Come to the altar. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, and by the way, when I was reading 1 John, it was really clear this is what it says. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. You know, you don't have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. God wants to work on the inside of you 
He wants to heal you. He wants to transform you. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. He wants to sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Do you believe it? Fellowship and peace.